0: Hi, I'm your host, Amy Frena. For over 30 years, Care Credit has been enabling people just like you to get the care, procedure, or surgery that they want or need when they want it and how they want it. Behind the thousands of amazing testimonials we receive from our cardholders are the dedicated providers and healthcare workers who make these stories possible. We are giving you exclusive access to these well-respected and renowned care experts who are all part of our care credit network and asking them to share the information and answers that can help you make informed decisions about your health wellness, and personal care. We are talking about one of the most popular cosmetic procedures performed in the US, breast augmentation. Joining us is Dr. Michael Nicoli, a renowned double board certified plastic and otolaryngology surgeon. He is the founder and medical director of Cosmetic Care Plastic Surgery and Med Spa in Newport Beach, California. Selected by Consumers Research Council of America as one of the top plastic surgeons, Dr. Nicoli is also very dedicated to giving back. For over 30 years, his Magic Mirror Foundation has provided no-cost cosmetic and reconstructive surgery to thousands of patients in need. Let's listen as Dr. Nicoli talks candidly about breast augmentation and shares information that can help you determine if this procedure is right for you. Dr. Nicoli, thank you for joining us. How are you today?
1: Fabulous, and yourself?
0: Good, it's great to see you.
1: Thank you, I hear you've got a little one coming. Coming soon. Congratulations.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Very excited about it. Good. So before we get into the meat and potatoes and all the detailed questions we have for you, we kind of want to have some fun and get to know your personality a little bit. What do you say?
1: Great. I love it. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So if you couldn't be a plastic surgeon, what would you be?
1: I'd probably either be a a veterinarian or an architect because I love I love. Helping people, but I love animals too. My kids, my family, everybody loves animals in our house. My wife from the time when we were married, we sh- we had horses, to wow. dogs, to cats, to. So I love animals, but I love architect. I love the beauty in buildings and bridges and especially houses. I think it's fabulous. So it, it'd either be an architect and a builder or a veterinarian.
0: Okay, wonderful. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received and who was it
1: from? The best advice I ever got was probably from old Pops. Uh, and it was focus, focus on focus. Because I'd always I'm ADD, I get off onto these little tangents and I <laughs> get off into restaurants and nightclubs and always something other than what I should have been doing, plastic surgery. So I think the best advice was his when he told me to focus on the medicine. You went to school for 15 to 20 years to become a plastic surgeon, that's what you should do and focus in medicine. Mm -hmm. Maybe little different aspects of medicine, but medicine. So I learned my lesson. Uh, I made a a few errors here and there and now. That's
0: normal. I'm totally (laughs)
1: focused. And my son runs the office uh, in the business aspect of it. Wonderful. And he said the same thing. Dad, as long as you focus, don't get off on these investments. (laughs) And I said, okay, you You sound like my father. I said, no problem, I'll do it. (laughs) And so that's that's where we are, He's been with me for ten years now. Wow. And we've been growing and growing our practice, which wow. is great. I love it.
0: How is that working alongside your son?
1: Uh you know, he thinks he knows more than the old man, but I think I've got a lot of street smarts. So uh-huh. he's got a ways to go, but he's pretty pretty smart. Pretty smart kid.
0: Wonderful. I like to have him there. I bet it's a blessing. Yeah. So what about your favorite food?
1: Well, Italian. Well, I mean I I, Come on. I love I love Mexican food too, though. But okay. my favorite is Italian. I mean, I I was brought up on Italian food. Uh-huh. My grandmother used to hang the spaghetti over the chairs. This really, was, you know, people don't even know about that anymore. But <laughs> you know, so I make all my own Italian food: meatballs, to lasagna, to everything. Really? I love to cook.
0: Which one's your favorite? I gotta know before my we move
1: favorite on. <laughs> meal is probably I can't I shouldn't say this because my daughter will kill me. She's a vegetarian. but okay. buco. Yes. but I, I do love lasagna and okay i like all italian food it's all the right. sauce that really ma- i mean you could it's like any food i mean it, you can eat five different restaurants <laughs> the same meal right. and one will just blow your mind and it's a sauce mm-hmm. and the spices so
0: absolutely and all
1: you right. it's really funny because i'll go to a restaurant and <laughs> they think i'm nuts but i said could i have either a meatball just a plain meatball and a sauce and that'll determine whether I like that Italian really? style. Yeah. Ah. <laughs>
0: no, I like its insight. Well, it's
1: I, I I owned a restaurant, so I had an you Italian do. restaurant. Okay. So I got all those recipes perfect. from my grandmama uh-huh. and my mother. Yeah, I love cooking. Really? Yeah. Another
0: favorite cooking. pastime. Wonderful. So maybe other than cooking, what is your favorite thing to do on your day off?
1: My day off? I like to spend with friends and family mm-hmm. and my grandchildren and uh-huh. Yeah I, I love to travel, but okay. Don't, haven't done that recently because yeah. of the you know yep. situation. so mm-hmm. hopefully that opens up soon so we can start traveling more. I Absolutely. love to, I love the wine. I love wine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love Napa as one of yes. my favorite wineries. Uh, so I can't wait to get back up there. Yep. Enjoy some nice red wine.
0: Good for you. you deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. What's one thing you uh, could not live without?
1: One thing I could not live without is my friends and family. Yeah. A very small group. My dad once told me, son, and I used to tell, oh, dad, I have so many friends you should see in school. Uh, I mean, I was on football, wrestling, so we, and I grew up in Huntington Beach, but I had tons of friends, and my dad once came up to me and he said, son, you know how many friends you're going to have? By the time you're about 30 or 35, you're going to be able to count all your friends on one hand. And so right he was. Mm. I mean, if you're gonna get, if you need a kidney or if you need something uh, that's <laughs> yeah. really crucial in your life, mm-hmm. it's gonna be probably your close one one maybe two of your closest friends or family members. Mm. So even though I do have hundreds of friends and patients that I love, but, uh, when it comes down to the bottom line, the right. real, real, true. Uh, people that are going to give you anything you need yeah. would be probably family Absolutely. and a few good, good friends.
0: Absolutely. And I trust Dad was a that. wise man. <laughs> he gave you a lot of good advice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to plastic surgery and some
1: of your credentials? Uh, okay. Uh, I was, I grew up almost five years. I was five years old when I came from Boston and lived at Huntington Beach all my life. Uh, I went to Huntington High, then I went to military school. Uh, I went to Pepperdine University, graduated from UCI medical school. Uh, I went into, I I wanted to be a general surgeon, so I went two years to general surgery, and it was kind of boring, so I then decided, I think I want to do Ear, nose, and throat, because I'd like to do, you know, rhinoplasties and Mm -hmm. ears and facelifts and stuff. And I loved it so much that I told my dad. He almost killed me. You know, Dad, I want to go two more years for plastic surgery. He said, "You're going to be a professional student. You're an old man. You need to get out there and make some money." But I just love learning.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I went two more years, and so now I'm board certified in ear, nose, and throat and plastic surgery. And I'm the medical director of uh, Cosmedicare, mm-hmm. which is a Newport Beach uh, yes. uh, facility, and I've been there over 30 years. So it's wonderful. It's been a great, great practice. Wonderful. And I did my humanitarian type things. I've been all over South America, Central America, Mexico, and allocated a lot of my time to cleft lip and palate and burn okay. patients. For I did years of that. And I, it was really rewarding, but now that I'm getting older, we still have a foundation called the Magic Mirror Foundation. Uh I allocate uh, free surgery for bullied kids, uh, women and children of domestic violence that are been beat up or, you know, and probably two of the most common were the uh, uh, bullied kids with whatever facial deformities they have. And and uh i'd say domestic violence right. but we've done breast reconstructions and mm-hmm. a lot of different things but it's a the mat it's called the magic mirror foundation and Wonderful. i'm kind of proud of doing that because i got too old to be traveling uh you know a week at a time mm-hmm. through all central america and south america and mexico so uh i'll leave that up to the younger guys now
0: there you go well it sounds very rewarding
1: yeah it was I Still, bet. yeah
0: All right, well, we are going to get into some questions on breast augmentation, and let's just start right off the top.
1: What is breast augmentation surgery? Okay, breast augmentation is, there's many aspects of breast augmentation. If you have an asymmetry, Mm -hmm. you can do breast augmentation to make that patient more symmetrical. Uh, Mommy makeovers Mm -hmm. where patients have breastfed their children, and uh, they're starting to droop down, and they need a lift Mm -hmm. plus enhancement because they're deflated. Uh, So it's putting a device, whether it's silicone or whether it's fat, taking uh, stem cells and body fat from an individual and putting it back into their breast Mm -hmm. or putting a device inside of the breast, underneath the muscle. So it's a form of enhancing the breast or making the breast look more attractive and beautiful.
0: Okay. You kind of touched on this, but what makes someone a good candidate? Uh,
1: What makes a good candidate is probably somebody that's realistic. If the patient's expectation far exceeds the patient, the doctor's capability, then you probably shouldn't do that patient. But almost anybody that has, I mean, for instance, no breast, and Mm -hmm. she's a female, and a lot of clothings and bras, and when you're in high school, and everybody in the class and PE have somewhat of decent breast size, and you don't have that. If it bothers you and it's not for everybody you have to understand that it's it's for somebody that looks in the mirror and says you know i think that would help my Mm self-esteem not oh i know if i get breasts i'm going to have three more boyfriends and i'm going to be president of the class that's that's the wrong patient to do because it won't do those kind of things right reasonable smart intelligent people that are you know that know that it's only going to help their Mm self-image not going to change the world in any way right so
0: good advice. What should a patient look for in a plastic surgeon?
1: I think when you're shopping for a good plastic, it's like anything. If you want an architect, uh, you're going to go to the house that looks like a square box, <laughs> or are you going to go to that architect that just has the design that you just absolutely love. Right. So when you're doing your homework with a plastic surgeon, you have to make sure they're board certified in plastic right. surgery, not an ENT, not a dermatologist. Not I mean, they are good surgeons, but I think If it behooves you to go to the guy or girl that has done most of the training, you know, 10 years of training to become a plastic surgeon, make sure he's board certified, make sure you look at reviews just because he's board certified doesn't mean he's a great surgeon, right? If he has bad reviews, uh, you know, think twice. Right. Go see his office. If he's got a you know, dirty floor, old torn couch, well, maybe your breasts are going to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you want somebody that's proud of their work and has photos, has a good website, uh, and has a good personality. You know he's going to be there if you have complications. Uh, right. Usually referrals are really good, but not only referrals. Just because somebody refers to you, you still want to make sure he's qualified. Right. So qualifications... Uh, good demeanor. I mean, he's a, he's sociable. He's his office is organized. There, you walk into that office, they're ready for you. They know your name. Uh, everything's clean. Uh, those are things that are crucial, in my opinion.
0: Right. Okay. Wait. Explain to me this whole board certification thing.
1: Board certification is extremely complex. Okay. And there are a lot of physicians that don't understand it. So don't okay. feel like as a layperson, you feel stupid. No, it's, <laughs> it's a complex situation. I'm board, board certified in plastic surgery by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Okay. A dermatologist can be board certified by the dermatology world. Uh, ENT by the ENT world. Okay. Uh, so there's many specialties Now, would you want to go and have your heart done by a dermatologist? No. Would you want it by an ENT guy? No. Would you want major body reconstruction or uh, cosmetic uh, surgery done by a board certified plastic surgeon, board certified by the American Society of Plastic Surgeon? Or would you want it by an emergency room doctor, board certified? No, don't forget, these guys are all board certified, right? Not in cosmetic surgery. Now, there's one tricky uh, board that, uh, and I don't know what their training goes through, but the cosmetic uh, uh, boards. Now, they are not associated with us by the American Society. So all I can say is, I don't want to get messed up with restraint of trade or anything. Mm -hmm. All I can say is do your homework. I personally would prefer somebody to go to a board-certified surgeon in the specialty okay. that they're looking at. If you're looking at cosmetic surgery, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. If you're looking for cardiac, cardiac association. Okay. So do your homework and, and ask your surgeon when you go there, you know, tell me the difference between your board and the guy that I went to see down the street who's right. uh, emergency room board certified. Well, <laughs> I mean, it seems simple to me, but it isn't because I've right. been doing this for years and it is mm-hmm. confusing and complicated. You'll see big ads in the front page, uh, cosmetic surgeon uh, doing breast surgery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Board certified in what? He's board <laughs> certified. So that's kind of trickery uh, okay. that I'm board certified. Well, the question always becomes, what are you board certified in? Okay. Very so important So make sure ask. you ask that question.
0: Okay. <clears throat> are there specific questions a patient should ask the doctor during the
1: consultation? I, I think they should ask a lot of questions because you know, you see these, you know, $4,000 breasts, $8,000 breasts. Well, what's the reason? Right. I would want to know how many breasts have you done, Dr. Nicole, or whatever doctor you're going to? Yep. Uh, do you do, you know, one a week? Do you do one a month? Well, if you're going to go have your heart operated on, don't you want a surgeon that operates on hearts every day? Yes. You know, that's our questions. How many have you done? But that, not only how many have you done, uh, are you putting saline in there? Or are you putting silicone in there? Mm-hmm. You know, saline's a much cheaper implant. Right. That's why one surgeon may be getting 6,000 and one may be getting 10,000. Mm-hmm. But part of that is the experience of the surgeon too. Okay. I mean, I've been around 35 years, you know, over 20, probably over 20, 25,000 breasts. So mm-hmm. it's like the old cliche again on the uh, architect. Do you want the architect that's only built three houses or do you want one that's built a lot? Or the bridge, the safety of the bridge. So it's no different than any industry. Get the guy that has the most experience and is board certified and can show you beautiful pictures. Mm -hmm. Let me show you, this is my breast. We have an imaging system that shows you. We take a photograph of you and show you what the enhancement can do. So oftentimes doctors will show you uh, a lot of other patients and Mm -hmm. that's good to get you into the office so you know what uh, kind of work he does, but then what kind of work can you do for me? Mm -hmm. You know, if one breast is down here and one's up here, well, can you fix that breast and make the other one look like mine or I'm flat as a board, can I get a little bit of cleavage? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important as a consumer to ask questions. Right. Do you, you know, what do you have to offer me? Do I have to come up with all the cash? I mean, there are so many questions that, and my, if you've got a good office, my staff people, for instance, I mean, they've been with me for years, so they, they know all the pertinent questions mm-hmm. to ask the patient or you know, enabling them to, to see and make a good decision. Plus we have four other board certified plastic surgeons. So, you know, you don't want to see me. I'm the old man, so I'm a little more expensive, but you can go to one of the the other surgeons who are great. They're board certified, probably save a little money.
0: So I want to touch on something that you mentioned because I know I'm a numbers person. So you said, how many they're doing a week, let's say, or a month? How many surgeries, breast augmentations? What can you just give us, like a general number, a month or week, just for the person out there that's really curious? Like, what is normal?
1: Well, I think if I would or
0: experienced want,
1: about me personally, I, I mean, that's one of the most. I mean, I do noses and breasts are the things that I focused on at this point in my life. Okay. I mean, when I started, I did, you know, I still do a lot of tummy tucks, but mommy makeovers, but. Uh, I don't do those big body lifts. Uh, I have a partner that loves to do them, so I give them, the, You know, those are six-hour cases. Oh wow! So, you know, you want to go to a surgeon that his passion is whatever you're you're looking for. Okay, that's the key. Is okay, that does makes he sense. really want and love to do that? Okay, you know, you have to watch them. So, you know, you come in for a nose, and you say, "Oh yeah, you're, you, you, do you ever think about your breast or you, you want some lipo?" I mean, gosh, that's a sales pitch. You don't want to know that now.
0: Okay. So you have to
1: focus on what they want. Okay. Don't, you know, uh, make their image of themselves go down the toilet because you're <laughs> you know, commenting all kinds of things that you can do for them. Okay. So focus on what they're asking for. Make sure that surgeon's professional. Okay. And I think, uh, you know, and board certified, again, I think you want to make sure Most that's important. the case.
0: Okay. So you touched on this as well, but how much does breast augmentation typically cost?
1: Uh, if you go to a Probably a decent plastic surgeon that does at least three a week. Okay. Uh, I think at least two or three a week would be mandatory, and at least for probably four or five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'd probably run anywhere from eight to 15,000. Okay. And a lot of that is, you know, I have an excellent surgeon from uh, Alabama. I mean, he charges $6,000. Well, the implants are almost $2,000, so you're not going to get that so much here. Uh, you go to Beverly Hills, you're going to put $15,000, sometimes even mm. more. Uh, Orange County, you're probably going to spend anywhere from eight to 10
0: okay. on a good surgeon okay,
1: and a good quality implant.
0: Right. What payment options are available for someone who decides they want this procedure, but maybe doesn't have all the money up front?
1: And that's quite common. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, my practice would probably be cutting a, a quarter would be cut off. Wow. So I think you know, one of the best that I've been using for years and years as care credit. Okay. Uh, they're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Uh, all you have to do is get your phone, mm-hmm. download the app, mm-hmm. and it's pretty self explanatory. Awesome. My my employees can help them, but uh, they have to do it on their own. Got so it. they they can accomplish that with ease the, the the software is impeccable. I mean, it's so easy. I'm not a computer guy but I can I can do it. So if I can do it, they can, <laughs> they do, can it.
0: do it. <laughs> and they'll
1: love it because it's it helps them out. So yeah, it's been a godsend for us. It's been awesome. helpful.
0: Great to hear. So what types of breast implants are available and what determines which type is appropriate per patient?
1: You know, and that's a good question because the surgeon should be able to know that and each individual patient's going to be different. Okay. If you've got a very, very muscular patient that has a, a, a large pectoralis mm-hmm. major a muscle, the thickness, mm-hmm. you might want to put a high-profile implant because you won't get much projection if you don't. Got it. If you have uh, a lift, when you have a lift, you tighten all that skin. And it has a, set, a, 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 a tendency to lessen your projection, so you might want a higher projected implant. Mm-hmm. Uh, where just the normal average patient that doesn't have any droopiness, doesn't have any problems with their breast is small mm-hmm. than a moderate plus. So there's moderate pluses, you know, low profile, moderate plus, high profile. As the projection increases, the base decreases. So and that that may be complex for an individual. You're, if a surgeon's well trained, he should be able to tell that patient and, and give him fabulous advice on what he recommends. But I would personally, I like silicone because it one feels like what saline feels like a water balloon. People think, Oh, saline is safer. And it's all the bags are made of silicone. So whether you put saline in them or whether you put silicone in them, your body reads the outside of that bag and it's silicone okay now the newer silicone is is really nice i mean it's a great implant I, my daughters have two of these newer style implants in mm. them and they're they're kind of a cohesive gel it's called it's like a gummy bear okay so when they break they're not going to migrate all over your body gotcha. uh, this morning i had surgery and i i had an older style implant that ruptured and it i mean it's like gooey. I mean, it comes wow. out like molasses. So huh. that's nice. We don't have that anymore. So Good. that's the advantage of technology. I mean, it keeps improving and improving. But I, if if it was, my daughters could have anything they want they got silicone implants. So I love silicone okay. and the durability, especially, I mean, you know, 20, 30 years.
0: That was my next question. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Let's talk about risks and complications associated with the
1: surgery. Risk. Uh, there's I mean, death from anesthesia, I mean, I've been doing it 37 years now. I've never had a death. So if you have a good team, you have a good anesthesiologist, mm-hmm. it's pretty low. Mm-hmm. Make sure your patients, you know, and a good surgeon's going to ask the patient, do you have any medical problems? Do you have any heart problems? Do you have any lung problems and in, in diabetes, things like that? You want to get a good history because there are a lot of young patients that have probably not made it through surgery because they didn't, the surgeon didn't get a good history. Hmm. Uh, so make sure you have a good anesthesiologist a lot of complications are related to anesthesia Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's terrible but it happens so go to a good reputable plastic surgeon for any kind of surgery and you won't have the you know the problems with death now Mm -hmm. there's infection Uh, i put my patients on antibiotics before surgery during surgery after surgery i soak their implants in antibiotics so Hmm. We cut that probability of an infection. I, I may see an infection once every two years.
0: Wow. So it can happen.
1: But, and then your incisions. You can go around the nipple. You can go through the armpit. Mm-hmm. Well, the nipples, for instance. When you breastfeed, you, you have ducts that go to the mammary tissue. Right. All those little pathways, those little ducts are full of bacteria. Why do your armpits smell? Bacteria, so yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't go through those routes anymore. The American mm. Society of Plastic Surgeon recommends going underneath. Now, I'll okay. tell the patient, I'll give them their option. Mm-hmm. Your risks are higher going infection. through the nipple and going through the armpit for infection, and what's called encapsulation. Your body okay. reacts to the implant, and you get hard scar tissue, and your breast feels like hard orange instead of a nice soft breast. Got it. Uh, and the nice thing about implants today, the manufacturers give a, a nice warranty. And I tell the patients, you know, buy the buy the insurance because the warranty is great. Hmm. If you have an encapsulation, they will pay for a significant amount for the first year. Okay.
0: Good to And know. if you
1: have a rupture. So getting insurance is really, I think, beneficial because you never know what could happen. You never know. Although all these things are rare, they're possible.
0: Better to be safe than sorry. Oh,
1: absolutely. You're right.
0: <laughs> So when uh, a patient decides, okay, I'm going to have breast augmentation surgery, what should a patient do at home to prepare?
1: Well, at home, I think today, the difference between today and 20 years ago that I, they came in the office, I had to spend an, an hour with them. Mm-hmm. Today, I, I have consultants who are trained uh, to do and talk to patients, so that helps. I think if you go to a good group, mm-hmm. uh, whoever that is in your city, and it doesn't matter where you are in the country, go to a good group, most of that is going to be explained to you in thoroughness with okay. a list of things you should do and shouldn't do, especially medications. Uh, there are so many medications you shouldn't be on, and there are medications you should be on. Okay. So you're going to follow that protocol. But psychologically, when you're home, you have to tell yourself you're going to have a little bit of pain. Okay. But you have to realize that most of my patients and most of any other doctor's patients, they have surgery on a Friday if they have a desk-type uh, uh, business, mm-hmm. they'll be back to work on Monday or Tuesday. Okay. I think for the first 24 hours, it's crucial that somebody watches you and takes care of you, okay, uh, because you've just undergone, you know, general anesthesia. So mm-hmm. somebody should be watching you that first 24 hours or 12 okay. hours. But after that, you're pretty much on your own. You can go to the restroom. You can make a meal. You know, you might want to order a week's worth of food at the house just in case okay. you're one of those little wimpier type of patients. <laughs> but uh, but a lot of my patients go out within two to three days. They call me. Can I go out to dinner? I feel good. Sure. You Can, can I go to the, my son's soccer game? It's been two days. Yeah, but, you know, have your kids or your husband carry the chairs. I mean, sure Got you it. can. So. It, different strokes for different folks, mm-hmm. uh, but the majority are, would be surprised how quick you can get back into society. But I'm going to restrict you. You can't go to the gym. You can't go jogging. You can't go bicycling. Because those little blood vessels that I cut across can open up and bleed and then back to surgery again. And you don't want to do that. No. And I, I, I tell you, that is so rare in my practice. But it's because it's instilled in the patient what you can do, can't do. Mm-hmm. But have maybe three to four days worth of food just in case you don't feel like going out.
0: And you don't want to carry those grocery bags, that's for sure. Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, so tell us how the procedure is performed from start to finish.
1: Okay, the patients will come to our office. Uh, First of all, I I see them. I decide what they need. Uh, They'll get a price. They'll pay for it. Uh, Two weeks before surgery, they'll... They'll start off getting off aspirin, Motrin, anything that causes them to bleed, vitamins. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are healthy, but not healthy prior during surgery because they thin out the blood. Right. So that's a protocol we already have, and the, the nurses tell the patients that. Then they sign all their consents, uh, you know, sign their life away to me. <laughs> right. And then uh, the day of surgery, they'll come. We usually start at 6 o'clock in the morning, so they get there about 530. Okay. Uh, the nurses will wipe them all down, wash them down, and I'll, I'll walk in. and I never put a patient to sleep until I talk to them. Okay. And the stupidest question, they think I'm crazy sometimes, but I warn them all the time. What do you haven't done today? What do you mean, what am I having done today? You should know what I'm having. Well, yep. I do know, but what, do you but know do what you I'm know. doing? Right. So we, we talk about what we're gonna do again, even though we saw each other in the preoperative uh, period. But, mm-hmm. And then they tell me, and then the anesthesiology come, anesthesiologist comes to them and they start an IV, give them a little sedation, bring them in the room, put them to sleep. I like most of my patients to sleep, because I can tell you that I don't like pain. And I don't right. think most people like pain. So the safety of anesthesia today is impeccable. I mean, mm. it's just, it is so safe. Like I said, I've done, I mean, that was just breast 15 or so thousand. I mean, I've done noses and uh, lipos, I mean, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands probably, never had a death wow. in my surgery center. So I think if you go to a good surgeon, he, he knows his patient, knows you're in good health. I, anybody over 50, I think 55 or 50, will get a, a cardiac clearance. Uh, so okay. you want somebody to make sure it's elective surgery. Right. You want to come out of that looking good and feeling good, not, mm-hmm. you know, brain dead. Right. So, and, it, and and again, it's pretty rare if you go to a good surgeon. Okay. Apparently, they had a major complication recently in Orange County, which is sad, but I don't know. I don't know the details, but wow, that what a bummer. Come in mm-hmm. for an elective procedure and not make it so... Make sure your surgeons are qualified. That's the whole key. And he has a great team. And I think right. you should do great.
0: Okay. So once I'm asleep and I'm on the operating table, what happens after that? Tell I me how you go to do have coffee
1: and donuts. And then I come
0: <laughs> <laughs> Play your favorite song. No.
1: So you're asleep on the table. Then uh, there's a nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always about three or four people in, in a room all okay. the time. Anesthesiologist, the doctor, uh, the nurse circulator, uh, scrub tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the circulating nurse will prepare and prep the patient with okay. antibiotics mm-hmm. and scrub and I require them to scrub the hell out of them because I know what bacteria is the thing that's going to screw the, your surgery up. Right. So I give them two grams of uh, an antibiotic. I give them a, a good high dose intravenous antibiotics. Okay. We scrub them down. We have antibiotics in the back table where we put the implants in to soak in antibiotics. Okay. So we take all the precautionary measures and then we start the surgery, a little incision here okay. uh, that long, and mm-hmm. then we make our incision, we uh, go underneath the muscle on mm-hmm. most cases uh, because when you do mammograms, you want to be able to do mammography right. with precision. And one in seven women are going to develop breast cancer. So you want to be able to continue that process of mm-hmm. mammograms after the age of you know Absolutely. 30, 40. Uh, then clean the pocket, irrigate the pocket, put uh, numbing medicine in the pocket, mm-hmm. put the implant in, sew them up. But Steri-Strip, no stitches on the outside. Okay. Just Steri-Strip, so they don't have to have any Steri-Strip. On rare occasion, do you have to put a drain because there's too much bleeding. They didn't listen to you, and they took their aspirin, or they took their vitamins, and they bleed too much, so I'll put a drain in. Got it. Because an accumulation of blood will also cause problems with encapsulation, which is the hardening of the breast.
0: Okay. So what can the patient expect to experience during recovery?
1: The recovery, and it's like any... Anything in life, there are, there are some patients that have their babies and want to go home the, the, that afternoon or the mm-hmm. next morning. There are some that want to stay in bed for a week. Right. And it's the same with, with surgery of the breast. I mean, uh, it's, it's pain threshold related. Mm-hmm. Some patients are tough. They want to go to the gym in two weeks. And no, you're not going to the gym in two weeks. You <laughs> go go walk down from Newport Beach to Laguna if you want. Mm-hmm. Walk. Right, But nothing that – because I cut across a lot of little blood vessels. Those little blood vessels can open up. Right. If you elevate uh, anything from if if you, if I get a call at eleven at night, most often it's sex. So no sex, no treadmill, no exercise, no gym for about three to four weeks. Okay, you heard it. You heard it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then and then uh, they I I'll allow my patients to drive within. Two to three days post operatively, okay. as long as they're off medication, no, okay. no pain medicine. Got it. Yeah.
0: What can a patient do if for whatever reason they're unhappy with the results of their surgery?
1: And and again, my staff are real in the old days, you know, anybody that walked in the door, come on in, let's do your surgery. Okay, bam. And I and I look back and I say, why the hell did I ever do that patient? Mm-hmm because it's a nightmare my nightmare patient and my staff is pretty good at that Mm. picking out patients that have an unrealistic expectation right so you want everybody to be happy you want to be happy your staff wants to be happy you want them to be happy so what can i say i mean you want to make sure the patient is stable like i said you want them to do this because of self-image i want to improve my self-image not i want to be the president of my class i need five more boyfriends it's not gonna not gonna happen Mm -mm. so realistic expectations are crucial Mm -hmm. and then make sure they follow directions right the directions are crucial. And my, my nurses are great at that. You know, they're they, we have a list and we tell them what they can do, can't do. I see them the next day and okay. a week later. So I follow them closely to make sure they're following uh, the directions.
0: Okay. What results can the patient expect as time goes on?
1: Well, I would say totally, uh, some doctors say a year, but six months, if, if they don't have what they have. And we're human. Right. You know, do you have a little asymmetry? And that's why I like to see them early because I can put what's called a Velcro band. It's like a it's like a rubber band, mm-hmm. but it's wide. And I can adjust breasts a little. If one's a little higher than the other, I can bring it up a little or adjust those. Probably 95% of those can be adjusted with a band. On a rare occasion, you're going to have to go back to surgery. Okay, And that's one of the reasons I encourage patients to get insurance and stuff. Because it's no different than a valve. Right. If you have a heart valve and all of a sudden one of the best surgeons in the world put it in, if you have a little leak, you may have to go back to surgery. So it's always good to have uh, some security there with insurance. And we encourage all our patients to get that so there isn't a, a burden on a financial basis. Right. So I think that's important too. Okay.
0: Well, you've given us some wonderful insight. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome.
1: We learned a lot about breast augmentation from
0: one of the country's leading board-certified plastic surgeons. If you're considering breast augmentation surgery, we hope we've provided information that can help you to decide if you want to take the next step and schedule a consultation. Remember, CareCredit is a leading national health care credit card that can enable you to get many of the surgeries, procedures, and treatments you want now and pay overtime with everyday promotional financing on purchases of $200 or more. Care Credit can also be used to pay for co pays, co insurance, deductibles, and your health and wellness needs. Care Credit is accepted at hundreds of thousands of locations nationwide to pay for care whenever you need and want it. If you are interested in applying for a Care Credit credit card or would like to find a provider in your area who accepts Care Credit, visit us at carecredit.com. And if you found this information valuable, please leave us a five star review on the App Store, a thumbs up, and share with a friend. I'm Amy Freina with Care Credit, and I'll see you soon.
1: Thanks for joining us on Care Experts with Care Credit. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with friends and family. And stay tuned for new episodes every week. Purchases with the CareCredit credit credit card are subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See carecredit.com for details. This content is subject to change without notice and offered for informational use only. You are urged to consult with your individual medical providers with respect to the information presented. Synchrony and any of its affiliates, including CareCredit, collectively Synchrony, makes no representations or warranties regarding this content and accepts no liability for any loss or harm arising from the use of the information provided. Your participation in this presentation constitutes your acceptance of these terms and conditions.